You're listening to Girls Gone Wild. This is Joy. And this is Claire. This is episode 174. This week, we are excited to announce Nicole Carroll on the podcast. Welcome, Nicole. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me. Nicole is the CrossFit HQ Director of Training and Certification. Not to mention, I truly feel like you are one of the OG CrossFitters, and I think you are one of the OG CrossFitters. You, I have a little silly story to share with you is I started CrossFit about six years ago with one of my best friends from work. Way back in the day, we were doing CrossFit in a garage, so to speak. It was like a little work garage. And he uh, was like, Joy, you need to come do CrossFit with me. I'm like, what is this CrossFit? You know, like how everyone kind of starts with, what is this? Mm -hmm. And he sent me the Nasty Girls video. (laughs) Uh. And I was like, oh my gosh, who are these women? So it was you, Annie, and Eva, right? Yep. Yep. And I just... I will always remember that because I was like, I need to, it was just like this light bulb went off. I'm like, that is like nothing I've ever seen before. And I think there's a lot of women out there that have that same revelation and that connection to you. So we're super, super glad to have you on the show this week. Oh, thank you. I'm happy to be here. Not to mention, we are, we very much love your open tips. Yes. Oh my gosh. We talk about this all the time on the show during the open. Uh, So let's just, can we just start off with a little story about those open tips? How did that started? How did you, you know, become the uh, the Zen voice of calming everybody down after the open announcement with your your easy your even keeled meditative open tips. Well, this is funny because this is a little bit a new feedback for me <laughs> that, <I'm, laughs> that it's that it's Zen like. But um, yeah, I, I'm trying to think how that how that even came to be. It probably you know I it was probably just somebody just asked me if I would if I would try it. Um, I think we did it. I've done it. For two years now. So we started it, we started it last year. And I, I think, I think someone just asked me, it might've been Dave Castro or Justin Berg or somebody was like, Hey, Nicole, do you want to try doing this where, you know, giving people tips for the open workouts? And I was just like, yeah, sure, let's do it. And then, um, you know, it just sort of, that was it. And then it, it's, it seems like it's kind of becoming a tradition. So Uh, I really enjoy it. Well, we love the tradition. Let me just say that within our community, you're kind of known as like the CrossFit Yoda for us because we're always (laughs) like... After we see the announcement, everyone is freaking out. And then we're like, but Nicole, but Nicole's going to calm us down. And your voice is just so calm and soothing. We always just kind of are like, we joke, but we really are serious. It's like, everything's going to be okay once we hear Nicole's breakdown. And it's just so great. So we just, we just have to tell you that because you're, you're kind of like very well known in our, in our little community too about that as well. So we like to start the show, uh, especially with someone like you you who has done CrossFit for a lot longer than probably most everyone out there is how did you find CrossFit we call this our CrossFit testimonial how did you how did you enter the world of CrossFit yeah so I was actually living and working at a yoga center uh, just outside of Santa Cruz uh, up in the Santa Cruz mountains so that's where you honed your beautiful voice no (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I was a yoga. Voice. I was a yoga teacher for a while, so maybe that's where it. Uh, maybe that's where it came from. But yeah, and and uh, uh, you know, so I did got super into yoga. I was really into yoga, but then I always worked out and did kind of the globo gym thing. And um, my dad was a bodybuilder, so I was kind of familiar with the fitness industry and just would do the standard bodybuilder type stuff. And then someone, someone up there just 
saw that I worked out was kind of one of the few people in that community that actually worked out. And they were like, oh, you should check out this website, CrossFit.com. And so I checked it out and I started doing the workouts on my own. And I liked it. I was like, okay, this is cool. It's different. Um, It's a lot more fun than what I was doing before. And then I actually left the yoga center and moved into Santa Cruz proper, into town. And I, I just kind of was like, well, I'm here and I know Santa Cruz, I mean, I know CrossFit is here in Santa Cruz because that's where um, Coach Glassman had his gym. At the time, I didn't know who he was. I didn't know anything. I just knew, well, there's a facility. I'm doing it anyway. I might as well go in for a class. And so I went in for a class and my first class was with Greg Glassman. And it was, it was nothing crazy. It was like some running, push-ups, pull-ups, and it was just kind of like, kind of kicked my ass and then, but the other thing was there was a lot of women in the class that could do pull-ups and I couldn't do pull-ups yet. And so, and I just remember being like, okay, I was used to being fit and being able to hang in most fitness classes. And then I couldn't really as well as I had been used to in this class. And so I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to keep doing this because I want to be able to do that. And really from there, it just totally snowballed. I mean, I, I just kept going to class uh, kept training with Coach Glassman and Lauren Glassman at the time, uh, and then all the characters at CrossFit Santa Cruz who I trained with who were so awesome, uh, like Annie Sakamoto, um, Brendan Gilliam, you know, some of them names aren't as well known written anymore, but, and, um, and I took my level one in 2004, and then I started actually training people and sort of interning under Greg and Lauren and training people and doing their program for trainers. So the me working out and what it did for me was really cool. Me training people just put me over the edge. I completely fell in love with that aspect of it. And then from there, I started working seminars and being a demo athlete. And it just, I mean, it's a could be a really long story, but that's kind of the wave top version of it. Um, and it just, over the years, kind of grew into the position I'm in now. So what was that like in 2004? Because we're here now, 2016, and the community was a lot smaller. Um, So in 2004, were people still coming in the door? Like, what is this? Or was a lot of people, I think, in the earlier days, considered it something that was just always so hardcore and, uh, you know, you had to be really fit to do CrossFit. And was that even more prevalent when you started? Yeah, maybe not, because there was, because it was so it wasn't well known at all. So there was very little opinion of it, right? Like I, we, I didn't necessarily always feel like we were contending with outside opinion. I think, I think that actually grew later as, as it got a little bit bigger and more people started to do it and get to know it. And then, and then you kind of start contending with more of people's uh, sort of opinions and, uh, you know, just kind of weird perspectives or things like that. But initially it was so small that it just was kind of, you just would get local people coming in wanting to work out and you ramp them up appropriately. And it, it didn't necessarily at that time feel like it had quite had a reputation yet. But I know when it was, you know, when we introduced it, like seminars and stuff were very much different then because there was a lot of, there was a lot more proof of concept at that time in terms of showing what what this program could do for you and and in that sense because the, and and maybe this from 
primarily my perspective as a demo athlete. So other people at the time might have a different perspective, but like that was part of my job was to, I mean, like simply put, like beat the boys or, you know what I mean? Like we would get a lot of people attracted to it who were already in very hardcore fields. And so a lot of it was to prove how effective it was even for that very people who considered themselves at this very elite level already. And I think that that's changed a lot where now it's, it's a lot more like less having to prove it can make you into this elite athlete or operator or whatever it is you're trying to be at that highest level and more about showing, hey, this is for everybody though. You know, it can do that, but I mean, it, it is for anybody that, uh, that wants to and it can be scaled infinitely. And so that's more the approach. I mean, the old, the old seminars were, they were awesome. Same, same um, like conceptual framework and stuff, but, but they were huge beatdowns. I mean, we did like, we did like four workouts, five workouts over the course of two days. Oh, you you're know? kidding. Oh, <laughs> oh that's no, so they interesting. Were, yes. It, so they were different. So they've evolved a lot. So I want to back up really quick. You said your dad was a bodybuilder. Mm -hmm. So what was it like growing up? Were you always a fit kid? Did you always have that around? Yeah, always had, yeah, like gym in my life. So I sort of hanging out with my dad was sort of like going to the gym and back squatting and doing things like that, you know? So it was, you know, he would, that was how I would hang out with him so we didn't really you know what I mean it was like hey and then he would do like come watch how much my 12 year old daughter can back squat um that type of thing and and it was very very you know pumping iron generation for him so uh free weights and so I had a good foundation in that sense and uh but at the same you know so I always had it in my life we actually ate pretty well too like I always kind of had vegetables in my life and protein and things like that so without really realizing it at the time I, I sort of had that foundation too by no means were we like you know we still had pizza on Fridays and ice cream and I mean I was still was a kid and I ate like a kid but but I did have that other aspect also but I but really like I also grew up never thinking that I would be not in a million years thinking my vocation would ever be in the fitness industry oh, really? um Oh yeah. Like I love my dad and I have a ton of respect for what he did. Um, and I have a ton of respect for what all those guys do, but, uh, but I really just wasn't drawn to it as something that I wanted to do. Um, it was just, it just was so ingrained in me though. This is, Hey, you, you stay healthy, you work out, you stay healthy. I played sports so that it just was always a part of my life that I, I knew I would do it on to some degree, but I never thought like, Oh, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm going to go to school for kinesiology or exercise science or anything like that. Not in a million years. What did you it, think you were going to do? Uh, I, well, I actually, I think when I went to college, I, well, I thought I was going to do uh, biology. And then I quickly, I quickly just got totally enamored with the arts. So I ended up studying anthropology and uh, fine art. That's what my degrees are in. And when I found CrossFit, I was actually trying to, uh, I was actually working on my portfolio, trying to go to graduate school for art and specifically ceramics. And then, and you know, I was waiting tables to put myself through school. Then I, I started training people to put myself through school. And that just snowballed into this huge thing that was so satisfying to an extent I never thought yeah, something like that could be. You could be. escape the world. It was just pulled no. you in. It was, 
it was just awesome. And it, and it was so different from what I had experienced of the fitness industry prior to that. Like it really wasn't an industry that I had a ton of respect for in, in terms of its, I don't know, like just it's kind of like artistry or values or that, that piece of it. Right. And then I went to CrossFit Santa Cruz and it was just this amazing environment of like really cool people with a ton of passion for life and for what they were doing and for helping other people. And then you've got this product for lack of a better word, that is just incredibly effective. And it was so much more effective than anything I'd ever done. But then the coolest thing is you watch, you watch people get stronger and better in every way, but you never have to talk about it. You just, you're just putting them through these workouts, right? And they're getting these incredible results in every area of their life. And you get to be part of facilitating that. And I think for me, that was where it was like, whoa, this is, this is really special. I'm making such a positive impact. And, um, and I still, to this day, have a hard time articulating what exactly it is, that culture of CrossFit. You know, if it's just the excellence of the product and, you know, the, the trainers that drive themselves to be better and better, or, you know, and, or just in the camaraderie that develops and why is it that everybody that's attracted to this has, seems to have a certain level of integrity and then, and then that integrity develops over time. You know what I mean? Like, it's just all this cool stuff that went so much deeper than anything I'd ever experienced. I don't know, like what, staring in a mirror in an aerobics class in a room full of people doing exactly the same thing, but never connecting with each other. Yeah, that's so, as you're talking, that's exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, oh, this makes so much sense now of being a yoga instructor, but not really being down with the globo gym environment. And that's what I love about CrossFit is that we always say the word community. I know I say it a million times, but the ability to join something that feels so much bigger than just working out and growing on so many levels. And I, I can see now, it makes so much sense of why you really were passionate about that. Totally. You, let's see, so that was 2004, you got your level one. Yep. And let's uh, go into how this evolved and now, I mean, it's probably, I don't know how long of a story you want to get into as far as um, leading up to being the director of training. Yeah. Um, but I guess talk, you know, briefly about how that evolved. Yeah, sure. I, well, I, so I started as a trainer at CrossFit Santa Cruz. And then in those days, all of the seminars were held at CrossFit Santa Cruz. And I was a demo athlete. And so was Annie and Eva. And basically that just meant at whatever time of the seminar, you could be told, okay, hey, get ready, you're doing Grace in 10 minutes, or hey, get ready, we're going to do Helen, or because part of it was they didn't ever really tell us what we were doing ahead of time, which is very, very true to form <laughs> of those days. Nasty Girls was the same way. Everybody's always really surprised. I'll tell them, yeah, I didn't know that was the workout. Like we just, we knew we were getting filmed, but we just all came in that morning and then they wrote the workout on the board. And then we were just like, okay, because that's how we always worked out. We never, it wasn't like, oh, you check sugar wad and you see what the workout is today. It was, you roll in and you, and then you find out. That is really funny because that's how I started too with my friends is they would never, the guy who did the little programming for us would, and I think he just started in the OG world as well. So it was always like, this surprise and we showed up and he would have a whiteboard and then he would turn it around and we'd all be like, Oh (laughs) yeah. Yeah, totally. And so that was, and that was how the seminars were for us, which was always really nerve wracking. And that was really early. So that was my first job at seminars. And then over time I started teaching 
at them also teaching, obviously training at them and then teaching at them and helping develop the structure for other people that wanted to come back because we had, at that time, we only had level ones, but then level twos and threes were kind of around in, I guess it was probably 2005, 2006, we would have, you would come back multiple times. So if you came back twice to a level one, you would kind of get a different color shirt and you would be considered a level two. If you came back three times, you get even a different color shirt, you'd be considered a level three. And so we were, the core group of us that were teaching at that time were responsible for sort of facilitating the experience for those trainers. And then finally, I think it was in about 2008, we realized, okay, we we just need a whole other level. This is growing to the point where, and trainers were getting enough education and and getting to a point in their development where it was like okay we need to give them a whole we need to give them a whole other level where we can really dig into helping them be better trainers and not in this divided environment where you're you're trying to facilitate the experience for the first timers the second timers the third timers right and it, it just started to get too big just like anything so and that's really how it all happened very organically and you just run up against this need you're like okay you're trying to make this the best it can possibly be and you start to recognize those areas of weakness and you're and then you address them and so that and that's how things developed and so that i you know i started doing that and i started doing that with the team and around the same time the level 1 started going on the road and i was pretty much one of the only trainers from CrossFit Santa Cruz that would go on the road and do the demo athlete and instructor role. Um, Dave Castro also started going on the road right around that time. So we were kind of the core uh, staff with Coach Glassman that would go and we would do a lot of, most of the traveling seminars were for military gigs. So we would do a lot of military seminars um, early on. Those were the traveling ones and the civilian ones were usually at CrossFit Santa Cruz. Um, and around that time, you know, it was, we were getting, pushing into 2009, we were probably doing about two level ones a weekend and a level two every so often. And Coach Glassman decided he was going to step away from teaching at them and traveling for them and was basically like, hey, Dave and Nicole, you guys are going to now be in charge of these and running them. And again, very like, okay. very, very sink or swim. Like that was kind of his like, way of just FYI. Yeah, hope you guys make it because otherwise you're gonna <laughs> tank the business. You know what I mean? And we were just like, okay, no pressure. And um, you know, and so we 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 kind of started with a handful of rock stars who'd been around Greg for a bunch of years, and and then and and they would teach and we would teach, but but then it didn't take long to realize that I mean it just was, the demand was getting so high. We were growing so fast. And I was like, okay, we need to get a lot more structured, a lot more organized. We need to standardize materials. We need staff hiring and training protocols. And we need to be able to scale and develop new talent. So we need to put this whole framework in place. And I think it was really right around that time. So I would say 2009, even though titles and stuff are kind of weird in our company, like it's not it, it all was so organic, so it wasn't like there was a day I could say, this is when I became the director. But in my mind, it was 
it was really when we had to take them on and we had to do that and create that infrastructure in order for them to scale. And really that time when Greg stepped away and it was like, okay, we need to keep these as amazing as they have been. You know, and, and so I would say in 09, that's really where that role solidified for me. And then, you know, just year after year, you saw growth to where, so in 2009, we were doing two or three just level ones. Let's just talk about level ones a weekend. Now we're doing anywhere from 15 to 17 um, in any given weekend all over the world. Yeah, that's incredible. I just, I still cannot believe how much it has grown in the short amount of time and how many people it's reaching. It's, it's unreal. Yeah. So I also want to talk about the move to Boulder and Claire and I talked to you briefly about this before we hit record and uh, what brought you to Boulder, Colorado? Oh, I don't know. And Roots, you're at Roots now, which is my favorite because we've had Nicole Christensen on the show and we love her. She's been on a few times and also Cherie. Um, so Roots is like near and dear to our hearts. So we love, 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 love that yes, gym. I love CrossFit Roots. I, I mean, I just really, yeah, it, it's awesome. Yeah. It's a huge perk of being here in Boulder. Um, yeah, I, I think I just got a hankering. Like I, you know, I went to school in Virginia in the mountains. I've always loved the mountains and always kind of wanted more land somewhere in the mountains. And California just seemed like a really, because that's where I was living before I moved here. And it, it just seemed like a really challenging place to get kind of the amount of land and the kind of lifestyle that I wanted to have, uh, just because the cost of living is so high. And so we just, I, I'd always loved Boulder. I had a really good friend here that lived here for a lot of years and I'd come and visit her and I just, just, it was just always a place in the back of my mind that like, yeah, I love it there. And I guess it was about two winters ago now, uh, Tosh, who's my fiance, and I came to visit and it was like the biggest snowstorm and the coldest time of the year. And we, we actually used Matt and Cherie's realtor. And she took us around the mountains in this little Subaru, uh, like in the worst possible weather you could think of to look at houses and stuff. <laughs> and I was like, I, I'm sorry, we're making you do this. And actually the house we ended up buying, the driveway is 400 meters long. Um, of course, I'm a crossfitter, so that's how it so, works. Yeah, you're like, this is <laughs> like, perfect. 400 meters, yeah. Perfect. And the snow was, like, for me, it was waist deep. And we had to hike in the driveway just to look at the house. And it was a bunch of land and a really cool house. And um, it just, the, the previous owner uh, passed away. He didn't have any family, so it was with an estate lawyer. And it just was... It just a, it really was just a fantastic opportunity. And he, I wasn't quite ready necessarily, but then it was one of those things where you're like, oh man, but I'm really scared to lose this opportunity. And so we just kind of took a deep breath and did it and just said, well, I mean, worst case, well, what do we do? We sell it or whatever. And so, but really, I mean, I've just been super happy with it. I love it here. And I still, you know, really, I work in California still. So I end up back there once or twice a month at least. And I, I think, you know, I don't know that I've necessarily made, I haven't mitigated my travel or anything. In fact, I probably made it a little bit worse by doing this purchase, even though I'm living here. But I think it's worth it. It's kind of, it's one of those things I was telling Tasha, I'm like, it makes no, I can't even justify it on a rational level, but something in my heart is just like, this is right though. 
this is just right. Oh, it's a right a place. Good way to live. Yeah, it's just a right place to be. It feels good, and I know it doesn't make sense, but I like it. I love it, and you know, it, it's it's working. So, so I'm going to keep doing it. You can't beat the flat irons, can you? No, it's just awesome. So it's so pretty. It's got like the perfect view from Roots too. I'm going to be, Nicole and I, Nicole Christensen and I are uh, in email conversation right now because I've been trying to get my first muscle up. Mm. And Nicole Christensen keeps, she's like, every time I post something on Instagram, she's like, Joy, you've got to get over here. I'm like dying to get you your first muscle up. <laughs> so if you are there when I'm uh, working on it, maybe you'll witness the first, because it's, it's been like two years <laughs> in the making. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> I'd love to see that. Oh, so funny. I want to talk a little bit, too, about the um, article you wrote in 2005, Getting Off the Crack, because that was also one of the um, articles that Nicole Christensen talked a lot about when she was on our show. Uh, We're just going to throw it way back. Way Hope back. you remember this okay. from well, no, 11 I, the, years no, ago. No, this is like a really big <laughs> deal. This is kind of like one of the um, most popular articles, I think, from CrossFit Journal. So it, do you still follow that, everything you talked about as far as the zone diet? And I'm... I'm more curious of how that transition was for you because you were always really healthy. To me, I feel like when you're already healthy but going to even more healthy and, and how you talk about how hard it was for you, I just think that's pretty powerful. Yeah, I think that was the thing at the time. I thought I was healthy. Uh, and and so and really making the transition to the zone was so shockingly difficult for me that it made me realize how addicted I was to carbohydrates. The funny thing is, too, when I came into CrossFit, I was a vegetarian. I was a vegetarian for eight years. And even when I started CrossFit, it took me about a year to start eating meat again. So really, so that article was written probably shortly into also just, I had been eating meat prior to doing the zone, but it wasn't very long. You know, it was probably maybe half a year after having not eaten meat for like eight years. So so there was that. And then, and so I also think coming from a vegetarian background, if I, I wasn't necessarily a smart, you know, now if I were to advise somebody who's a vegetarian is like, you just try to get them, you still try to balance their diet, but you try to get them protein sources. When I was a vegetarian, I wasn't necessarily looking for that. All I was looking at was that I wasn't eating meat. So, so my diet was just super high in carbohydrate, even if I thought I was eating healthy. And I think that was the shocker was just like, wow, I am totally addicted to carbohydrate and sugar. Yeah. And, um, and it was so, so hard. And I got 10 blocks because I'm small. And I was, I was convinced that they were trying to kill me. Like there was something went through my head. I was like, maybe they just hate me and they're just trying, they're just trying to well, kill me. it's funny because one of my... One of my possible that I could survive on such a little amount of food. You're like, you're, you're, you've got something up your sleeve. It turned out to be amazing. I mean, I ended up thriving, you know, so it's like, yeah. you know the story, but it was just at the time I was like, ah. Well, one of my favorite parts of the, of the article, you're saying on day two that your hunger was really bad and you're, you told the Glassmans you're starving and they're like, you're not hungry. It's a craving for the insulin response. And you said, no, I'm really hungry. Don't tell me I'm not hungry. Mm -hmm. And Greg was like, "Eat two blocks of low GI veggies at your meals, and then tell me you're honest. You're honestly hungry." And then yeah. you're like, "I tried it, and it helped." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it did. It was amazing. Do you get a lot of pushback? I shouldn't say pushback, but I mean, there's so much diet information out there now of like people going keto, people going this, people going that. 
I don't know, what do you have to say about all the different fads that are kind of coming and going? You know, the, the funny thing is I think, I think there's a lot of similarities. Sometimes I think there's more uh, desire to make them or a desire to make them more different than they are. And the zone, for example, you can, you can really use the zone, maybe not keto, ketogenic or, but you know, you can overlay the zone framework onto any, you know, even macros, you can, whatever you, you zoning your macros is weird. Cause it's like, that is what the zone is uh, macros, you know what I mean? In 40, 30, 30, but, um, yeah, I just think it's all, so so much of it just gets to a point, even with the zone, where you just have to do what works for you. You know, you have to, but I, I like the zone still, and that's why we still teach it. It's really very basic where it's the inputs and outputs. So you, you just need to know, right? And, and it can't just be, I think this is what I'm eating every day. And that's what makes the zone really cool, is it's a great balanced starting point for you and then you you weigh and measure your food you know exactly what you're taking in and then you stay aware of what's the output is in terms of performance how you feel um how you look whatever your whatever your goals are that you're looking for and then you can you can play with it but in a way where you're informed right it's not just like it's not just blindfold darts it, it's kind of like okay we I got it and I can play with this. I can play with that. And I can find what really works for me. And I think that's, that's something that sometimes overlook. Like I really don't, I'm very not dogmatic about this is what you should do. This is the way I think people find what works well for them. But I think it's important for people to be really honest with themselves. And that's, that's the thing with diet is there's a lot of ways that we can kid ourselves, you know? And, and so that's what I kind of like about, people starting with the zone is like, here it is. Here's what I'm eating. Okay. Now let's take it from here. How do I feel? How am I performing? Am I meeting my, you know, am I getting to where I want to be? That's what I think about diet at this point. I think that's great. We talk so much about on this podcast about like, you know, it's just data. Like there's no one size fits all for everybody. You just need to continue to collect data about yourself. And, you know, if at some point something's not working for you, then the data is, okay, this doesn't work. It doesn't mean you, you know, it's right or wrong or bad or good or, you know, that it's a bad, it's the wrong way to eat for someone else. It's just for your body. That's not the right way. But I, you know, now have kind of done a little bit of everything, but I started with zone and also and had some really great um, results from it and just felt awesome and, you know, looked the best that I've probably ever looked in my life. And, and it was so nice to just be like, okay, you know, I know exactly what I'm, what's going in my body. I know exactly what to expect. And mm -hmm. if something goes off the rails, I know exactly where to look. So I want to ask a little bit about going back to what you were saying and the, you know, how there's something about CrossFit. It just seems to attract like people who have integrity and it really spills into your, the rest of your life. And, you know, there's something about the things that happen in a CrossFit gym that make you work harder and have more, yeah, just integrity in the rest of your life. And so I'm curious how you feel like your life has most been impacted in just your day-to-day -day life outside of your job, um, you know, outside of the fact that it's your career, but like how have your behaviors and things changed since, you know, the past over a decade, it's been such a huge part of your life. Personally, it's just, yeah, it's just made me a better human being. It, it's, it's just been, it's made me stronger in so many ways and so much more confident than I was when I went in. And, um, I think over time too, my relationship to it has just deepened where I, you know, you, you 
go through it and you use it as a tool for, uh, I mean, it sounds kind of cheesy, but I use it as a tool to practice being a better person. If it's like, hey, this is really hard and I don't want to push this hard. And, and it, it's just, it's kind of like, well, let's check in. Let's see what's going on here. And do you really need to stop? Or are you just feeling sorry for yourself? Are you, you know, and, and, and being able to push through it. And I just think that that process or sometimes even just you find yourself spiraling into this dark place and it's like, hey, just find your joy, find your gratitude. You can breathe, you can walk, you can do this. Like, you know, you have two arms, you can jump up to the pull-up bar. And I'll literally at this point in the game, I think those things to myself in workouts. And I feel like it does, it's just, it's the beauty of it where, because then, without even trying you're you're just practicing then when you come up against something that's hard outside of the gym you're it, you're you've practiced that mindset and you can think the same things this is really hard right now but you know what like i get to do this i i get to be here i can be here i i can you know i can meet this challenge with all of these gifts that i have again i guess it's it's just the same it's that same phenomenon that i love where without, I guess, therapy, I don't know, you know, right? Like without sitting on somebody's couch and talking about your issues and coming through the other side, or it's like, it's a form of that, but it's so, it's so tangible on the one hand. And it makes it very, just a very simple, get up on the pull-up bar, right? (laughs) Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then somehow you're sitting somewhere else and it's challenging and it's like, Hey, you know, Get up on the pull bar, metaphorically, but same same idea, same same strength you're drawing on. So, kind of, I guess, going along with that, what are some goals that you're working on right now? Oh, that's a good question. I think just to continue to really be well, hmm, yeah, just push myself as a human being, really, like, or as a good human being, and just consciously always bringing to the table, like, you know. Pushing, pushing harder for excellence, pushing harder to be better and better at what I do, um, and also better and better at how I do it, how I treat people, how I communicate with people, how I make people feel, having a positive impact. Um, I've really, I guess, one thing that I really feel that I have the privilege is being um, in the position, in a leadership position, and I take that really, really seriously. And I think the foundation of good leadership is good character. And so I just feel like I'm just always working on that and making sure I'm aware and self-aware and honest with myself and authentic. And then we kind of call it taking our, taking the hood off. Then at some point, you know, and then you're, and then you, but then you got to give back, you know, you, you do all this work on yourself, but then you have to serve and, um, and give back. And so I think just, just working always constantly be, to be better at that. Nicole, yeah. you, you strike me too as someone who has such a, you obviously you have a deep love for this, but we were talking to Pat Barber, gosh, a few months ago, and I think it was around the time in the open, and we were, of course, just raving about your, your open tips. And we're like, it just comes so natural to her. Like, she just speaks so well, and everything she says is so, it just seems like it just flows flawlessly out of her mouth. And he said, she works really hard. Like, she's, that's just not her forte. And that she works so hard at that. And I just have to wonder, too, if that's a way for you to be like, I want to step out of my comfort zone and really do this. Oh, you mean the open tips? Yeah. 
Yeah, like I'm very. Of a, be, yeah. And I also say that too because I recently saw one of your Instagram posts where you you said, um, you know, Instagram elicits attention. Yeah. Of, of between wanting to share, connect, and be seen, but not necessarily wanting to be looked at or overly yeah. self-serving or self-centered. And that just made me think of kind of connecting with what Pat said of like, she's amazing and she works really hard at it because it's like that that push-pull of wanting to step out of your comfort zone in that way. Yeah, it, it is. I don't, I think, I think I'm kind of naturally shy. And if I don't, if I don't push myself, I would probably prefer not to be in the spotlight or not to be. But I also, I have, I also, um, it's interesting to say that, and then it, there's, but there's also something not true about that statement because it feels amazing to, to, to do it. And I don't, I don't know if it's because it is something that that I that I'm afraid of, and and then you push yourself to do it, and you get through it, and you're like, yes, I'm awesome. Yeah. <laughs> or, or if it's just that that kind of relationship with it, where it's kind of that love hate relationship with performing where, for lack of a better word again, but, you know, kind of being on, where it's, it's something that I love to do. Maybe I love it so much it scares me. I don't know. But, but, I, but and I do work really hard because I also, I am very self-critical, which is an okay quality, not a great quality, right? I think I've had to work. Are you self-critical about your self-criticalness? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome, right? <laughs> totally, yeah. Setting myself up for success there. But, yeah, and, and so, I don't know. It, it just, uh, I just, yeah, I, if, I, if I'm going to put myself out there, I try to do it well, but then I've also had to chill out in a sense of, hey, it's okay, too, and the only way you get better is you got to do it. And, you know, it's just... Find and kind of the same thing, like just find the joy in just playing. Not that it's it's not about being perfect or anything like that, you know. And, and excellence is different than perfection. And it took me a long time to realize that too. And to be excellent, you you have to fail. You have to make mistakes. You have to embarrass yourself. You have to, especially if it's going to be in something where you're putting yourself out in front of people. So, I think. It's been good, a little good getting older because it's helped me mellow out uh, on my, toward myself in that way. Yeah, age is great for that. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, almost, I'm almost 40. I turn 40 next year and I'm, I just love, I almost feel like every single day I'm leaning towards that. Oh, I'm just going to, I'm so relaxed now. <laughs> Life is really good. All right. Well, I think we're going to wrap up, Nicole, because I know your time is limited and we have just, we could talk to you for hours, but we will leave it at this for now. Any last pieces of advice? We have a wonderful, wonderful community of women. And I think it's, it's interesting because we'll get some people who, have never tried CrossFit, but they listen to these podcasts and they, it maybe they don't do CrossFit, but they get active in something. But I'm sure you still see people who are afraid to step into the gym. Is there anything that you want to encourage people or even take that step to get their level one or anything that they, uh, especially from being uh, one of the original CrossFitters that you would advise to them? Yeah, I think... As far as starting, well, the level ones, it's easy for me to say. I know that they, it can feel nervous, but I, but from my perspective, that's the whole charter of the level ones is to just welcome people into this community and transmit the culture that I feel like I grew up with in, in terms of, you know, like I said, just this, the, the excellence of the trainers, 
the effectiveness of the methodology, obviously that's all there, but then, you know, that, that, they exe- uh, that our staff exemplifies just the kind of people that we want all CrossFitters to be. So there's a ton of respect and kindness and welcoming. And that's, I just think, if you've never done CrossFit before, I think that's the perfect place to start because of that. But, and yeah, it's just the misconceptions around it are, are so big around the level ones or around starting. But I think it's actually one of the friendliest places you can walk into in terms of working out because at, at least I think a, there is less ego and more community. You know, I said in my, whatever, it was the uh, spirit of the games and it's like, hey, we don't, yeah, we don't look at mirrors. We look at each other. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's true in, in all gyms. And so it, it actually is a lot safer of a space to walk into than I think than people have the perception of. And the other piece of that is if you don't have a great experience at one to try to find another, you know, to keep trying. Yeah. But there, there is that. There's that beauty of the, the community where people can run their businesses the way they want to. But then so if you, if you don't have a great experience or it doesn't feel like a good fit, try another gym. Just like any service provider, hair or whatever, right? So I don't know if that. No, that's so great. Claire actually said that last week in one of our episodes. She's like, if you didn't like your hairstylist, you would never just stop going to that get your hair done. (laughs) Right, right. Exactly. Yeah, and I would agree with you that it really is the friendliest place to start. When I got my level one, I was nervous, and Claire was nervous too. And uh, honest to goodness, I could not have asked for a better staff, and I just felt... I I feel like every single staff member is so welcoming and so happy and so I don't know it just you feel like you're just drinking the CrossFit Kool-Aid for two days straight it's wonderful yeah that's so good to hear yeah good all right listeners you guys can check out Nicole and uh, please go watch the Nasty Girls video because it's so great (laughs) Um, and then on Instagram you're I think it's Nicole.Carol Nicole.Carol sorry I'm thinking of your email address and uh, you guys can leave a review for Girls Gone Mod podcast to help this community grow and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us some feedback. Let us know what you think of the podcast. We're always wanting to improve. We just did our second newsletter, Claire. So do you want to remind people of where they can sign up? Yeah, just go to girlsgonewildpodcast.com forward slash newsletter. And that is the second Tuesday of every month. Um, it's got a lot of fun new stuff in there. We got this month we had a promo or a, like early access promo code, a special contest so it's pretty fun stuff I, we were really having a fun time with we're it we're having so, so much fun go sign up so by, by the time this airs it'll probably be like our third newsletter but you yeah. guys get the gist <laughs> please just sign up it's so much fun thank you again nicole it's been an honor talking to you and we can't wait to see where crossfit goes and where you go with crossfit thank you guys it's been awesome talking to you you're Yay. so fun you're, you're so fun <laughs> all right listeners we'll see you next week bye, bye.